Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Long Story Short. I'm Kate Midden, here with Associate Director of Communications, Corinne Umuhumuza, to talk about something very exciting that launched last weekend, mm -hmm. the Nike campaign. Corinne, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, thank you for having me. Excited to be talking about this. Okay, can we, first of all, just have a moment? Because I think that yeah. when, I think when Nike launched the refresh of their Just Do It campaign last weekend, anyone who ever works on communications and branding mm -hmm. just, you know, I, I just had to just, just sit down and have a minute. Yeah, I was <laughs> on the beach in Tulum and I just like saw it and I was just like, wow. like you immediately stop and it immediately evoked so much emotion. So it was kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, they hit it perfectly right. Yeah. They got exactly what they wanted from people. If you have not encountered this campaign yet, I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah, you've been living under a rock, Yeah, I think. but please just Google Nike, just do it. It's their 30th anniversary refresh. Um, go ahead, hit pause on this and do that now because that's yes. the reference point that we're going to be using. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be talking about why we think that this is such a great campaign and most importantly, what organizations working in global development can learn. Yeah. So just to tee it up, Corinne, can you just give a little background about this campaign and really what we're looking at here? Yeah, absolutely. So Nike is pretty much like the greatest of all time of content marketing and brand marketing. They know what they're doing. They've been doing this for, I don't know how many years, just even just going back to, they have a, a legacy and, and a tradition of controversial marketing. If you think about in the 90s when they first started having Jordan, um, being their ads, there were very few black men that were even appearing in ad advertising, so that was a bold move on their part then. And then they've also had like some really cool campaigns, if you think about, um, they had the Charles Barkley campaign where he was like, I'm not a role model, which is very controversial because sports icons are supposed to be role models, but he's like, hey, all I do every day is dunk a ball into a hoop. Like, I'm not your parent, like, I'm not a role model. So they've had like a very controversial kind of, they have this legacy. and. They've always also had these activism-charged messages for all the things that they do. So they've really taken stances against um, HIV and AIDS. Um, they've taken really just like strong statements about what they believe in and what their values are as a company. And you've kind of seen this thread through it. And there is not a better moment than right now in like the political kind of era that we're in to have an, an ad and it kind of coincided with the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It slogan. So Colin Kaepernick as the face of it is just like literally putting a bow on everything. Right, and I mean just the simplicity of this yes. ad too. Mm -hmm. I mean Colin Kaepernick just tweeted it out last weekend to kind of announce the campaign, yes. but it's just this beautiful black and white portrait of yeah. him. And yeah. I think the simplicity of it was also what is so striking. Yeah, it's so bold, it's black and white. It's like a close range picture of his face. Like it's not the signature afro, it's not his like cornrows. It's this close-up range face of him, and you can see that they know who their like their audience is. It's sports fans. It's people who would immediately recognize that face. He's become kind of this face of this political activism around um, police brutality, and like Nike knows exact knew exactly what they were doing, making him the face of this um, this campaign. So it's one thing to be kind of a consumer on the receiving end of this campaign, and you know you know you know what you feel when you're touched by something. But let's really kind of peek under the hood here mm -hmm. and deconstruct what Nike was actually doing and what are some what the tips are that NGOs can take. So, yeah. you know, where where should we start? Um, I think the most important thing is that it, what I talked about is like Nike knows their audience, right? If you look at their demographics of people who buy Nike, I think they're all under the age of 35 years old and they're like young people, they're people who care about social issues, um, they're people who really care about 
um, aligning themselves with brands that kind of align with what their political or maybe like their social kind of um, outlooks are. So Nike knew exactly that. And I think that's something that NGOs can learn from because as we kind of move away from this, we talk a lot about soft identities at DevX and soft identities are your passions, your motivations. So things that aren't like your traditional kind of demographic, demographical kind of categories we would put people in, like whether it's like gender or age, it's really looking at what motivates your audience and what motivates um, the people who come to your website and, and the people that are engaged with your engaged with your messaging. So really just thinking about that and um, I think Nike knows what that is. The, this is young people, it's people who are inspired by bold activism. So I think it's something that NGOs can really learn from in terms of mapping that out and figuring out who those people are and like who the future kind of your future audience will be. Yeah, I mean it's one thing, you know, when you look at Nike, we kind of talk about their audience in terms of, you know, consumers and you know the people who are buying their products, but with NGOs, you know, the way that that's transferable is mm -hmm. well who are you trying to reach with your message or yeah. what do your donors look like? Yes, exactly. Your donors and who are who are people who can take action? Like who especially for like advocacy organizations, who are the people that you can rally to like get behind um, some of the, the actions that you want people to take and really just being able to kind of speak to them directly and in ways that really like inspires them to, to click or to donate or to do whatever you call the action you have for them. Yeah, I want to dig into this point about soft identities a bit. This is yeah. something that we talk about a lot at DevX. Yes. It's something that you know our friends over at The Atlantic are mm -hmm. masters at. It's sort of yeah. the reason that BuzzFeed some years ago just exploded. Mm -hmm. But this idea... It's the reason memes explode every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, what makes you share a meme? It's probably not that someone's, you know, putting something out that resonates with you, of like what you do at work, but like who you are as a human. Yeah, exactly. It's what kind of gets shared between DMs on Instagram. It's like why you have like the, these super personal verticals if you look at different like news and media organizations. Yeah, so. I think you see it a lot with um, NGOs kind of tapping into people as parents yes. or, mm -hmm. you know, in that realm. Of yeah, things. people as parents, people as like activists. I think that's really become something for a lot of organizations to think about what motivates people to take action. Um, and, and I think it's kind of also if you think about like Charity Water and some of these other things that um, have like birthday campaigns. It's like what people get, get getting people to like donate based on, okay, I, instead of getting gifts, I want to get like, I want you to get into what the cause that I'm really passionate about. Yeah. So you kind of see that thread. Yeah. So there, there's another, of course, hallmark of this campaign, which is yeah. that just do it as a campaign turns yes. 30. Yes. Um, beautiful to see such a fresh take yeah. on a three-decade-old campaign. Yeah. Uh, what can NGOs learn from that piece of this whole equation? Yeah, Nike has... Can we talk about Nike's slogan game, though? Because honestly, yes. this Just Do It was born, what, in 1988? It's as old as I am. Um, it's 30 years old, so happy birthday to me and the Nike slogan. Um, <laughs> and it is has like literally stood the test of time and that's really what NGOs can learn from like how do you create narratives that really can stand the test of time what is kind of messaging that will be able to transfer for decades to come and I think for a lot of NGOs um, that's gonna take that's gonna that's definitely something that's an exercise you have to do to really think about what those things are yeah. I mean like the shorter and quippier and more longevity that you're going for the harder it is to make yeah. I mean yeah. just do it. it's it's three words in a check mark yes you know mm -hmm. and like some people but might they've never had to change it they've no. never had to like rebrand or come up with something else but 
it just has stood the test of time. So getting that is hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, but it's it's when you do it right, though, it can be super powerful. It's something that you can keep resurrecting for decades to come, right. as you've seen with Just Do It. Well, I mean, as you were talking about earlier, it's not like you know Nike as Nike's brand identity has not changed from a really long time. No. Yet no. that persists. Mm -mm. We were talking earlier and brainstorming about some NGOs that are doing this really well. Yeah. Um, and one of the examples we came up with was like the one campaign with yes. the poverty is sexist campaign that yeah. will sadly persist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I yeah. think that's something. Even as like we look at we're in the SDG era and like looking to 2030, yeah, poverty is pretty much going to remain sexist. So I think we that's a really strong statement that they're making and that they can use in like multiple different ways um, in different campaigns and different messaging. Um, the other one we talked about was MSF's Not a Target, which is a really kind of powerful thing that's been kind of taken over by the whole humanitarian community, um, being able to talk about civilians aren't a target, being able to talk about humanitarian workers aren't a target, children aren't a target. So it's really something that can be um, transferred from campaign to campaign yeah. and to talk about different different people and different individuals who are impacted by that. Yeah, I mean, it can be so hard to really just like, drill down into the core of it what is. you're getting to. It but is, I, but there's, like, I think that's an exercise and that NGOs really need to be thinking about and be thinking about, okay, what do we really stand for and what is the one thing that we want people to walk away with? Um, and I think if NGOs really think about that, I think they can come down to like, they can distill down to a target. I think that's also something that Nike does really well. They're not trying to be everything for everyone. Obviously, we've seen people cutting their socks off and cutting the Nike logo off and like burning their Nikes, but Nike does not care about that. At the end of the day, they're like, we know who our audience is. We know who their consumers are gonna be, and that resonated with them, and that's important for them to resonate with them. Yeah, I mean, seeing kind of the hate tweets about Nike, so you know, maybe if you're really mad about this, you're not who they're trying to reach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there is a business case. But the loyalty that they're building with this kind of campaign is, is gonna be like, obviously this is both a business move and a cultural moment for Nike, I think. Yeah. And I think there are probably just takeaways from that for NGOs, yeah, looking it, at your communications and your campaign, exactly. both as a branding tool, but a business tool. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what are the risks that are kind of worth it for you in terms of, and being able to kind of do the research and figure out what that return investment will be for your organization. Like, what is important for you guys to be talking about and to be at the forefront of, perhaps, too. Do you have wisdom to share about if an organization is thinking about maybe doing kind of a high-risk, high-reward um, campaign, you know, obviously mm -hmm. with Nike, they in yeah. the NFL, you know, you see all these memes of them kind of eyeing each other right now, like, <laughs> I know, they, nice they don't, they don't, like, know, not happy with they don't know what to do, the NFL does not know what to do, because obviously, because yeah. Nike also, um, I think they supply the uniforms for all 32 yeah. teams, right, so it's like this kind of like, what are we going to do, we can't really be mad at you, but we are mad at you, um, but I think one takeaway is really, um, Nike played the long game on this like kind of cultural moment, right? They didn't, Colin Kaepernick has been with Nike since 2011, um, but he hasn't really been used in the ads in the recent years. Obviously he started kneeling in what, 2016? Um, but they played the long game, long game and they waited it out. I'm sure someone who works at whatever agency um, that works with Nike to kind of do these campaigns was thinking, all right, we have the 30th anniversary coming up. Like who can we be kind of having the running for that? And they really didn't uh, make a statement right away, but now they took the time to really kind of curate and form. I'm sure they've done like 
market research and like testing and focus groups, which um, NGOs might not always have access to be able to do, but I think you can find your core audience and figure out people who really matter to you and be able to kind of test these things with them. Um, so I think, yeah, play the long game and kind of work, look for these cultural moments that really um, will have an impact for your organization and for the, the messaging and the types of things that you're try trying to impact, the impact you're trying to have. Yeah. So, um, and really just understand the nuances of also participating in some of these cultural moments. Like, is this something that's gonna, um, whether it's gonna push us or propel something that we're trying to push forward, like, is this something that makes sense for us? Because jumping on the bandwagon of things is not, always right but i know I, I know that there's an urgency or a tendency to kind of do that because you want to be relevant and you want to catch on to things but i think play the long game on cultural moments yeah i mean this is something that you actually recently wrote about you did this great piece about uh, humanitarian communications mm -hmm. you know i think both in the humanitarian sphere but also in the greater international development sphere um, there's a lot of onus put on being very reactive, yes. you know, whether it's, oh, well this, you know, it's International Women's Day, so let's kind of flush our channels with content or something mm -hmm. really dark and moving like Elon Kurdi, the boy, um, Syrian refugee boy mm -hmm. who washed up on the beach and there's yeah. that photo that went viral. And there are a lot of NGOs that kind of built on the momentum of the public outrage. And, you know, there's nothing about that that I think is, bad, but really taking a step back. It sounds like what you're saying and kind of what you've written about is taking a step back and looking at the underlying factors that are leading people to have those reactions and mm -hmm. thinking about parlaying that into something longer term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I've actually learned from some of those conversations was, yeah, just figuring out you don't have to speak on everything, right? Like there's always, there's always going to be someone talking about every single thing. So like figuring out what those moments are as an individual organization and where you kind of, where you fill the gap in, um, perhaps where you fill the gap where other people cannot. Um, so I think just thinking to the, um, the, the young Syrian boy who washed up on the shore, I think IRC was thinking about that and just looking at, looking at how to use that moment to talk about children, to talk about sanctity of life and to talk to, and to really kind of be making it not just a political conversation but really I think it was a turning moment for people to think about Syria as like okay this is a really serious humanitarian issue and it we should it's not a just a political thing but it's like how do we look at this as as like a people issue versus um, political issues yeah so and I and identifying kind of those moments I think a lot and of it's it, hard it's hard to identify those moments I certainly don't have the answers on how to do that as an organization <laughs> but I think those asking yourself hard questions and maybe even understanding that you won't have immediate answers to some of those. But I think it is really important to think about what are those things for us. And you don't have to do a grand thing like Nike does. Um, and not every organization will even have those opportunities, but I think there are, there are things that will speak to your audience in certain times. So being able to kind of figure out what those things are going to be. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many kind of dimensions here about this particular area because it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with your audience, because, yeah. you know, if there's a moment where you think maybe there's something here for us remembering, okay, who is it we're trying to reach? Like, exactly. For NGOs, like, always, who are your donors? Yes. Always mm -hmm. going back to that. I think, yeah, always going back to that and always going back to 
yeah, not being everything for everyone, which yeah. is really hard to do. <laughs> in comms, that's such a hard thing to do. I think to be, to, there's no such thing as like a mainstream audience anymore. There really isn't. It's people curate their news feeds and those news feeds are curated by who they think are influencers, whether it's like their next door neighbor or um, a celebrity or a blogger, like everyone's news feed is curated. I will not just happen upon a story unless it's being pushed to me by someone in who I consider has some sort of influence on my life, whether in some little or big way. So there's no such thing as a mainstream audience. Yeah, um, and I think that the audience is the North Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not, not being everything to everyone. Yes, certainly. Absolutely. Okay, so you have you know, another great piece of advice that is yeah. extrapolated from this campaign. Tell us. All right, the last one is, I think, is a, a little maybe hard for NGOs to hear sometimes. Um, Brace yourself. <laughs> you hate to be this later, it's okay. Exactly. So I think one of the things that NGOs are really hesitant to do is to label themselves as brands. Um, and the thing is, it, they're like, we're not, we're not selling things. Yeah, you are selling something. Yes. So you are a brand. And a brand is really, when you think about a brand, it's not just like the logos, the color palettes. It's really about what do you evoke when people hear what, yeah, what is evoked when people hear or see your name. It's your reputation. Yeah, it's your reputation, and it's what people think about you. Like when if people are thinking about DevEx, or even for us, we think about that. Um, so really thinking about and behind that brand are individuals, and there's people with beliefs, and like um, whether it's like your journalists who have a stance and how they write and report and how they do things. Um, so more and more individuals are really kind of interested in that and kind of seeing okay, what is this organization really about and can I align myself to that? So I think more NGOs are going to have to have kind of like a pur have a purpose and like a soul, this idea of a purpose and a soul and really being able to define that in both the way that the content that you're curating and the way that you talk about yourselves um, and the stories you tell, I think, are a really powerful kind of way to do that. So you know, NGOs, they often have these very um, kind of hefty, beautiful mission statements. Mm -hmm. But, but what you're nothing. talking about... Mission statements that sound like fluff. So you really need to think more about... Ooh. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> no fluffy mission statements. Yeah, it, it has to mean something. Like I have to read it and it has to like mean something to me, right? I think more and more, especially as I think as the kind of global development tent, as we call it at DevX, gets wider and you're, you're going to have to have different funding streams and you're going to have people like people like, like folks like from Silicon Valley who are going to be interested in like kind of funding these um, development projects. It's, they're going to want to know like who are you? They're going to want to know what do you stand for? What are your values? So I really want to get into the funding piece of this in a minute because I think it's just it's the future and so important when we're talking about things like starting to leverage private finance and what that looks like and who that looks like. Mm -hmm. so you'd be getting that from wealthy but, millennials is what that well, looks like. Yeah, wealthy millennials living in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. um, but, <laughs> not only there, maybe. Yeah, not not only there. A lot of them there. A lot of them there. Um, but. You know, I do want to make draw a small distinction because on the one hand, yes, we're talking about mission statements, but a lot of NGOs, you know, they're an NGO is an NGO usually, hopefully, because it has a purpose and it wants yes. to serve. And if it's working in international development or humanitarian world, um, it is there to try to fill a need and make life better. So there is sort of the the driving, you know, kind of mandate of these mm. organizations. I think that's that's one piece of it of yeah. having a mission and standing for something. 
but they're really, I think the standing for something it sounds like you're talking about is, you know, outside of just this very, this, these services, the service yes. delivery that we are offering, yeah. that we are trying to get money from governments or philanthropies or wherever to deliver, you know, are there other issues that we should be taking a stand on to communicate our brand? Yeah, absolutely. I think it really can kind of comes down to who is actually who is employed by your organization, right? So there are things you can take a stance on in terms of diversification. Like what does your staff look like? And I think future donors will care about that kind of thing. Like who is creating your programs and how are those programs created? Um, and what's the flexibility and kind of failing and being able to shift that? Because I think obviously um, development has a tradition of kind of doing things the same way and like the status quo of um, development, but I think that's going to shift. I think that's really going to shift. And I think it's also things that we think about too in terms of like visuals and like moving away from problematic messaging and having things that are vetted by different types of people who work in your organization. Well, originally when we were talking about what we were going to do this show on today, we're like, maybe we should do something on inclusive communication. And we're like, again, do we, we still need to talk about we, this? Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, and we I do. think that's I think that's part of the standing for something. Yeah. So if you are an inclusive organization, like, okay, what does that really look like? When I look on your About Us page, who is employed at your organization and things like that? So I think it's, yeah, choosing what you stand for if you're... Um, if you're building, trying to build a culture or um, build a different type of work culture or build a different way to think about development, like I want to see you not just talk that talk, but really walk that walk as well. Yeah. And so. being really um, intentional yes. about, you know, about the communications, both like there's sort of the communications that you do in terms of what your organization looks like mm -hmm. and kind of the makeup of it and all of that. But there's also just the communications that you're putting out externally to talk about your own work where yeah. organizations just fall into so many yeah. giant holes and then often no one tells them they've even fallen in. Exactly, exactly. They just kind of talk about you on Twitter or in their direct messages somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the DM. And WhatsApp. <laughs> they hold threads. Yeah. Um, so I do want to get back a little bit to this... Um, the conversation around the financing of it. Mm -hmm. You know, at DevX, we do a ton of reporting about you know the next generation of donors and what they look like and philanthropies. Mm -hmm. um, do you have ideas about how organizations can kind of make an assessment about whether they should take a stand for something? Like if you're an NGO that's yeah. working on you know, food security, should you be thinking about taking a stand about gun violence or something else like how do you how do NGOs even begin to think about that because it's yeah. tough no that's a good question I think I think staying as true to what you're doing obviously that's an extreme example <laughs> very different that's a very extreme example but I think if you're thinking about things like it's very natural for I, I let's say let's take the women's march for example like I think it's very natural for organizations like UN Women or Women to, Women for Women International or Vital Voices to kind of have a stance on some of those things. Or um, if you look at like the Me Too, um, the Me Too conversation, the Me Too movement, I think that is those are things that you that you kind of see. Okay, this is a big cultural moment, and we we need to kind of figure out what we're going to be saying about this. So I think you do need to kind of gauge what makes sense for us and what is true to our kind of main messaging and kind of the topics we talk about don't veer too off obviously you can't like jump into everything but i think thinking about what are the 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 ones that most most um closely align with the things that we're working on yeah. and where can we have the most impact 
Like if there's a gap, like where can we kind of fill in the gap and where do we have a different take on something? Um, I think that's the way to kind of really be thinking about that. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, how how kind of far from... Maybe there's a template or quiz we can put together. <laughs> oh, maybe we should. Maybe we should. A flowchart. A flowchart. There yeah. should, like, take this, yeah. I think there's, I think, I'm sure there's something we could probably create. Obviously not too generic, but I'm sure for different sectors, there's something. Look out for this we because Karen has just committed herself to creating a flowchart. Not... <laughs> okay, no, that's a big lot. If you guys have a flowchart, please yeah. send that out my way. We'll edit it. Yeah, but I mean, it's true though. I think the uh, some things that align with your mission, certainly, you know, UN yeah. women kind of being vocal about other women's issues and the women's margin, yeah. that really makes sense. But there's probably also you know, causes that maybe don't on the surface look completely aligned, yeah, but maybe true. it's something that the, you know, that the folks who are working on your programs or the people that they're serving, yeah. you know, in the countries where they're operating or dealing with, it's an impacting you negatively, even if it doesn't seem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think it's also really listening. So I think part of it, like for Nike, I'm sure they never thought they were going to jump onto this, um, like police brutality conversation. But I think, yeah, I think it's really just figuring out what that is and talking to your audience and really knowing what their passions and motivations are. Yeah. And that can change throughout generations, I think. Um, so we've covered a lot. Yeah, we <laughs> we've covered knowing your audience, not being everything to everyone, yes. um, building out an evergreen narrative and really looking beneath the surface of kind of flashpoint moments to yes. see how you can sustain a campaign, mm -hmm. um, you know, building on longevity of cultural moments, um, and then taking a stand for something and that ties back into all of those things. Yeah. Um, are there any final takeaways or you know things that you notice in this campaign that you think that global development professionals should really just internalize when they're thinking about their own missions? Um, I think the I think the last thing, which I think we kind of talked about a little bit about about that, was just I think there's also this um, tendency to want to do these kind of like very like choreographed kind of um, campaigns that are really just too much and staged. But I think this thing was so simple, right? It, it's really when you boil it down, it's really really simple. And um, I think we need to start thinking more like that, like thinking what is a simple kind of message that we can. Um, put out there that's not billions of dollars or it doesn't take a ton of money um, to do but what are these like kind of human stories that we can tell in it and that's a really hard thing to do and come up with a lot of the time but nothing it doesn't have to be overly produced I think people are kind of they want just like the truth and authenticity and really being able to kind of drill down into that like what's the most authentic thing that we can say um, about ourselves and like the people we serve and the impact that we want to have yeah. Corinne, thank you so much for joining us this thank week. You. A joy, as thank always. Uh, we you. want to hear from anyone who is wa yeah. watching or listening to this about your favorite campaigns. We want to know what you thought about the Nike campaign, if you had other takeaways for our industry. So feel free to leave those in the mm -hmm. comments, tweet them at us, anything. We're on social media all the time. Uh, but all the time, than, literally. All, all the time. <laughs> other than that, uh, we will see you next week for a long story short. And thanks so much for tuning in.